Welcome to the Unleashed Podcast, where we believe that life is better when it is lived on purpose. My name is Molly Brunk, and I am joined with Brad Thompson. We are in the series, Act Like an Owner. Are you ready, Brad? I am ready. (laughs) Are you ready? I am ready now. (laughs) I am ready. What are we talking about today? Hey, uh, today uh, uh, we're going to continue this idea uh, of acting like an owner. Last week, we said leaders who act like owners set the vision. Uh, this week, I want to say leaders who act like owners set the culture. They set the culture. That's what I want to talk about today. That's great. Do I get to start with the fumble moment today? I love I. fumble moments. <laughs> I also love that I am just sharing your fumble moments, and um, my fumble moments aren't written down on paper, so um, it's <laughs> not a two-way transaction. But your fumble moment of the week, we're going to talk about your RBF. Uh, we call it your resting Brad face. Um, and you have- Wait, wait, wait. To be fair, my RBF resting Brad, Brad face mm-hmm. is I'm deep in thought. I'm not angry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Some yeah, people yeah. think like I'm angry just because my face is so ugly, but I'm really <laughs> just, just in deep in you're thought. You're deep in thought. That's <laughs> fair. That well, okay, so in the foyer of the church that we work at, yeah. um, there are a lot of people coming through the door. And mm-hmm. sometimes, maybe this past week, you were having a really in-depth conversation with someone and you were talking about frustrations mm-hmm. and you guys were really just like not aware of your surroundings and um, not reading the room, not reading the room. And um, our producer, Matt, who is apparently the only person who speaks into your life, told you this. Well, let me be be clear. He's the only one who has good advice. Oh, (laughs) fair enough. I mean, you speak into my life, but not really. (laughs) It's usually like pop culture stuff that I don't care about. Fair enough. (laughs) We are just (laughs) going at it today. It's fine. Okay, so Brad's RBF. Let's just talk about Brad's fumble moments. Um, He was not having a good time in the lobby, and people were coming in, and Matt told him later, hey, not the best time to be having those conversations because you set the tone and the culture in that moment, and people Mm -hmm. can feed off of that energy. How I'm feeding off of your energy right now. I'm just kidding. kidding. And so that was your fumble moment this week. It was. And and I here's the crazy thing is I didn't even know it was happening. Like I wasn't even aware of it. And Mm -hmm. what I love uh, is that we we are part of an organization where people can come to you and say, Hey, can you hear me now? Matt said to me, he said, Can I need can you hear me right now? Mm -hmm. Like and we did it in private. It was in my back back office, mm. like, and he just said, I need you to hear me on this. Like, you you set the tone for the day. And when when I walk in the door and see that you're frustrated, this was a conversation at like 7 a.m., mm-hmm. right, on a Sunday. And I don't know many people who are smiling at 7 a.m., but he said, in that moment, it made me question, oh, how's today going to go? Mm. It's Sunday. Like, it's our best day, yeah. the best day of the week. Yeah. And... Why, how's it going to go should not even be a question. Yeah. Like, this is going to be a celebratory, exciting day where we're going to get to see some amazing things happen. And and so he confronted me on it. Because why? It's not part of our culture. Yeah. It's not. And in that moment, I was not acting like an owner. See, employees are the ones who always go in the back and they complain about everything that's going on and Mm. they're always frustrated. I know, we sure do. And you can sense their energy from 10 feet away. I had to tell one of my my kids this the other day, like, hey, you can sense somebody's energy from 10 feet away. You will set the temperature of the room just by being in it. Yeah. And uh, in fact, we say that on staff, don't we? We do. What do we say? We're... we're thermostats, thermostats not, not thermometers, thermometers, right? Yeah. We don't take the temperature. We set the temperature. Yeah, and so which is re- hard. It is hard. If people are grumpy, 
it's hard to come in and, you know, have that good. Or if your mind's on something, like, that's really hard to come and yep. show up and stuff. And yep. so, yeah, maybe Matt um, is codependent on your energy in the mornings. Um, and maybe A Matt needs are. to. I, that's fair. People feed off of your energy. So, <laughs> but true. yeah, you're exactly right. We're thermostats, not thermometers. Right. And so as a leader, like, when you act like an owner, you you instinctively know that you set the culture. Yeah. You set the culture. Whether you want to or not, you do it. Mm-hmm. Good or bad, you're the one who sets it. And uh, and so this is what I want to talk about. And this is why it's important is because culture is really the lifeline of an organization, right? We've heard Peter Drucker or uh, uh, Marcus. What is it? Marcus? Uh, no, it's Mark Fields who later became one of the executives at Ford. People argue about who said it first, but I'm going to give Drucker credit on this. Uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, mm. lunch, dinner, <laughs> every meal that you eat, right? Culture is so important to every organization. Like, it mm. truly is the lifeline of it. And uh, and sometimes I think we think we have a strategy issue. We have a, a, a process issue. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to Marcus Lemonis. Uh, you probably don't know who he is. Most of the time you just say names and I don't yeah. know who they are. There's so. a show called The Prophet, and I loved on The Prophet – he, his whole thing was people, process, product. Mm. And he'd say, if you want to get your process and product right, you got to get your people right. Mm. And I love that, right? Why, why was the people part so important? Because people set culture, Yeah. right? Uh, I'm kind of getting into next week uh, when we're talking about people. But this is extremely important. Like, uh, you don't have a strategy issue. You have a culture issue. And when you have a culture issue, you have a leadership issue. This is why it's so important. When you are a leader and you act like an owner, you are the one who sets the culture. Mm-hmm. And and there's this realization like, um, as we've been putting our team together over this yeah. last year and we've made new hires and uh, I was still transitioning as, as the new pastor here, like there are some hard conversations that I've had to have with people. Mm-hmm when it comes to culture. Mm-hmm. And one of the conversations that I, I've had in the past is, are you all in? Are you all in? Like, if you're here for a paycheck, if you're here because it's a job, if you're here to check off a list, like, probably not the job for you. Yeah. Like, and in one conversation, I loved it because they're like, you know, like, I didn't know it was going to be this much. Mm. And I'm not sure that this is the job for me. And they said, I, I don't want to hurt the organization by mm. leaving so soon. And I just said, you will damage the organization more if you stay than if you leave now. Yeah. Like, I would. I just had to be blunt. Why? Because because that sets our tone. Mm-hmm. That sets our culture. And so for me, like, if you, I tell people, if you aren't breathing this and eating this and living this and staying up late at night, like setting the vision and thinking about where you want to go and how you can make things better, like, you probably don't belong at Be Hope. Like, that's just the reality. We want people who are all in, who are eating, breathing, thinking about about how they contribute to the culture of this place. Yeah. And so how do you uh, bridge that gap? If there is somewhere where someone is and this vision that you have casted for us of these leaders who are all in, mm-hmm. um, how do you bridge that gap as our boss? Well, uh do we want to get into like how do we be culture carriers? Like, yeah, let's like do I think it. this is the big takeaway for all mm-hmm. of us, and this is what I want for you, uh, wherever you are and wherever you're leading, and uh, and this is the big one. This is the expectation that we've set for our staff is that you will be a culture carrier. Mm-hmm. If you want to set the culture, you have to be a culture 
carrier. And, uh, and I've just got three ways in which I think people can be culture carriers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so to, to, to your point, I'll just start with this one. It's not in order, but, but I'm going to start with this. Uh, culture carriers protect the culture. Mm-hmm. You have to protect the culture, which means you have to be willing to confront people and you have to confront anything that will threaten the organization. Mm-hmm. Like if you threaten the mission and the vision of what happens at this place, that's why I told this person, hey, you just like, it's better if it, if you stay, you're going to hurt us. Yeah. You, you are a threat to the organization. You got to go. Yeah. Like, and yeah. we'll support you and love you and, and, and whatever vision you have for your life, man, we celebrate that. Mm-hmm. But, but, but you can't stay here. Yeah. And so for me, it's about, you, you gotta, you gotta protect it. Um, uh, in some ways, I've heard it said you had to police the culture. I don't like policing. I like protecting. Yeah. Right. That sounds better. I like to protect the culture. And so um, uh, somebody said this to me the other day. I thought this was really good. They said, anything left alone doesn't improve. Mm. Like naturally, the culture of an organization is not to the up and up and to the right. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, we always say this uh, vision leaks. Uh, I think culture drifts. Mm-hmm. It never goes up and to the right. It mm-hmm. will drift sideways all the time. Yeah. Uh, my dad, who um, was uh, a COO of a company, uh, he always would say this to me. He'd say, and he wasn't always the CEO. Let me just be clear. He mm-hmm. he was a manager of a foundry for the longest time. But one of the things he said to me uh, not long ago was, he said, I learned in my life as a leader that either you run the foundry or the foundry will run you. Mm. And I love that line. Yeah. It's true. Anything left alone doesn't improve. If you don't, if you don't set the culture, the culture is gonna set you, yeah. whatever you're stepping into. Yeah. And so there's this part of me, it's like, I have to protect it. And and we had this uh happen the other day. Um, this is a fun example, but the other day uh we have chapel mm. on Thursdays because mm. Uh, our staff is not spiritually <laughs> holy enough. <laughs> I was like, where is he going with this? <laughs> and uh, we, start at, we start at 9 a.m., mm-hmm. not 9.01, not 9.03. Yeah. And um, and you were talking about this, like, hey, sense of urgency, sense of, sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And, and I sat there at 9 o'clock, and Matt said, it's 9 o'clock. And I watched five people come in at different times yeah. after nine. Some moseyed on in, some were on their phones, some were not in a hurry. Yeah. Do you remember what happened next? We had a mandatory meeting um, within, it was set within 30 minutes of staff prayer being done. Um, and we were gathered in a room and um, we all were not sure what was going on, but we had suspicion. And boy, was I grateful I was on time that day uh, because uh, you let us know the expectation and how that's not okay. And that if you are on time, you're late, and how it's disrespectful to our organization. It's disrespectful to our leaders and to the people that we serve if we're going to not take things seriously. And so um, I was expecting more of a scolding. You're kind of a lot nicer to us than I thought we were going to get. But you were really kind to us, and you told us, don't ever do that again. So, <laughs> Well, but, but there was another part of it, too, like— Protecting the culture. Within five minutes of everybody being late, mm-hmm. I text our executive our executive pastor and said, I want everybody in a room after chapel. Yeah. Everybody in the room immediately. Yeah. And uh and I said in that meeting, like when you show up late, it's not just about being late. What you're saying is that what we do doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What you're saying as you mosey on in with the phone in your face is this isn't important. I have no sense of urgency about my life. Like my work and what I'm doing here doesn't matter. Yeah. And 
And I believe that part of Be Hope is everything we do matters. Yeah. Lives get changed. People get transformed. We see people get off addictions. We see marriages restored. Like we see all these amazing things. Everything we do matters. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're in production, you're running lights, you're running sound, worship. Everything you do matters. And I don't know where you are in your organization right now, but I want you to know you may think that you're just a nobody that, that people don't see. And, and the reality is everything you do actually matters to the vision of the of the organization. Yeah. Like everything in your home. Like you may not think that like it matters that you're a father or a mother or you know that, but you don't live it. Mm-hmm. Like just your mere presence sets the culture of your house. Yeah. Everything you do matters. Yeah. Um, and so you got to protect it, right? And, and if I could just one more caveat, don't make it personal. Mm. Like I'm going to probably share too much here and get in trouble later. But my wife was sharing the other day uh, just a, about uh, an experience she had at work. And one of the leaders there uh, was addressing a problem, but then made it personal. Mm. And it went from I'm disappointed to the statement that was, was made was uh, you're a disappointment. Mm. And, and as I was thinking through that, what they were saying in the moment was one was an identity statement. Mm-hmm. One was a circumstantial statement. Mm-hmm. One said, like, you are a disappointment. Like, that is your life. It's who you are. You're consistently a disappointment. That is personal. Mm-hmm. That is not the way you address people. Yeah. That is it's bad leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. What I was doing in that moment was I was addressing a circumstance, mm-hmm. but tying it to the why of, hey, your life to me is important. Molly, mm-hmm. you matter to me. And b- when you show up late, it says to me, you don't have enough value. Mm-hmm. Like, that matters to me. Yeah. And so I didn't want to make it personal. Yeah. I just wanted you to know I'm disappointed because I expect more. Yeah. Set the record straight. I was not late that day, um, but I can be used for <laughs> the example. Here. I just so. want to use an example. It's fine. What's the next one? <laughs> next one is this. Uh, culture carriers become the culture. They become the culture. Uh, if I could say it this way, uh, be what you want to see. Mm. Be what you want to see. Um so before this place, um, I was part of another church where when I look back at the beginning, it was unhealthy. It was broken. It was spiritually broken. It was messed up. You had people in leadership who had no right to be in leadership. Yeah. Um, and when I look back, I'm new as a leader. And what I didn't see was um, instead of being being the culture and setting the culture, um, I was just picking at people. Mm. So instead of showing them who I needed them to be, instead of empowering them, I was picking at them. And and that was a that was a bad season of my life. Mm. Like even as a pastor, like I would get up on Sundays and I would spend half the message talking about why they frustrated me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, why aren't they excited to it be here? It is not good. <laughs> that was not good, right? Like and and instead of empowering people, I was just beating them down, mm. right? And and so when I looked a few years later, here we are, same place. Everybody's still broken, still spiritually a mess. Mm. The, the organization is still jacked up. It was my leadership, mm. like, and it wasn't until I realized, oh, I have to, I have to set the bar, mm-hmm. and now I've got to empower people. Did we begin to see a change? Mm. Um, and, and we've done that on our staff here. Like, one of my expectations is that you will be a learner. Right. And and instead of just saying you need to go learn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I feel like by example have said, I have cohorts, mm-hmm. I have pastors that I meet with. I am seeking out leaders who are at a different level than I am. Mm-hmm. I'm seeking their advice and their help. And I've said, and just one of our expectations here is you will meet 
biannually with a leader that is above where you are. And I don't mean that necessarily in value, but just in terms of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And and you just kind of, if you want to see it, you have to be it. Yeah. So become the culture is number two. Next one, you ready? Last, last, last one. one. Next one, last one. We're ready. And this is extremely important. If you want to keep the cult, if you want to be a culture carrier, you have to keep the mission and vision in front of the organization and your people at all times. Mm. So when I first got to Be Hope, <laughs> do you remember uh, I do asked I people, remember? hey, what's our <laughs> mission statement? Uh, I was one of the ones who answered wrong. I was like, um, to baptize people um, to, <laughs> is not our mission statement, but we learned it really quickly. Yeah, it's plastered everywhere. Yeah. It's in handbooks. Yep. It's like, and nobody knew it. And we were quizzed, not in like a scary way, but we were quizzed. We knew that it was an expectation that you, like we were going to know it word for word because when you asked everyone on staff, we didn't know it. And so um, we, it was a part of our culture, but we couldn't say it and we couldn't like keep it in front of us. And so then when we would maybe lose the why behind what we did, we didn't have that reminder of why we did what we did. And so then you made us memorize it and now we all know it and it's great. <laughs> yeah, but we did it in fun ways, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a staff meeting on Monday and it we come in slow and tired from Sundays. But uh, part of that meeting is uh, every person at some point is going to share without looking our mission statement, one of our core values and where they see it at work. Yeah. And so what seems like a simple practice, and I know s- some people may say, well, that's dumb. You made them memorize it. Well, it was fun. We gave away gift cards, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, we gave away gift cards from knowing our mission statement. By the way, you should just know your your company's mission statement. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's this part of, no, I need you to know it. It's It's got to go deep into your soul. I think I said it before, uh, uh, a mission statement is only a statement until it becomes part of your soul. Mm. The moment it becomes you is the moment that you it changes you and you can make a change in the organization. Mm-hmm. And so we did. We learned it. We memorized it. But the point being, in every discussion now with your teams, like one of my hopes, and we're still working on this, mm-hmm. is that when you're meeting with your teams, mm-hmm. every meeting begins with, hey, this is our mission. Yeah. This is who we are. Yeah. These are the values we hold. Like mission, vision, and values all hold the culture. Yeah. And yeah. as a culture carrier, you have to know it and you have to make every decision uh, through that lens. Yeah. Do you think that, was that your last um, point before I dive into questions? Yeah. All right. Do you think that um, the last year with everyone um, onboarding and all of the new folks that we had um, joining staff, do you think that the culture was the thing that was most shaken by that or what was most at risk or do you think yeah 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 and here's why because so you had you had you had an amazing team before me you had an amazing team of people who really tr- like changed the trajectory of this church in the last 5 years right and did a lot of work and did some amazing things and so you have this team that had been together for a long time they knew the culture they knew the values Knowing the mission statement is questionable. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, they knew the mission. Um, and as we transitioned and new people came on on board, like including myself, like at my last organization, I wrote the mission statement. Yeah. I wrote the vision and the values. I didn't write these. Yeah. And I found myself as the new leader, uh, for probably for the first three months, part of my devotion time in the morning uh, or my leadership time in the morning when I was reading was I would actually go over a handbook. Mm. and read it. 
<laughs> and read it again. And again. why? Because it, I, I believed in the mission. Yeah. But it really hadn't become who I was. And so if if I'm experiencing it's experiencing that as the as the leader of this yeah. organization, like I mean, I can't imagine what it's like for somebody's new. So we had all these new people coming on yeah. who don't know who we were, where we've been, what we've been through, what our mission and values are. And and if you don't know and you don't set that, like they'll do whatever they want. And That's so fair. for me, like our culture was the most important thing. Yeah. It still is. And yeah. we're still working on it. Yeah. And it's really easy to see, um, even on like the team that I lead um, and our staff, like it's easy to see when someone isn't aligned culturally. And um, because I think when a, there is a healthy culture, it's easy to see when someone's unhealthy, yep. um, which is really helpful to us as leaders because yep. then we know where we need to address and cast vision and just work in that space and stuff. So um, I don't know if you agree with that when there is a healthy culture that it's easy to see unhealth in people. Yeah, and and not only that, but exactly what Matt did. Like, you know you're part of a healthy organization when you can go to somebody and say, hey, you're not healthy. Like, mm-hmm. This is not who we are. This is not who you are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we expect more. And you mm-hmm. do it in love and you do it in grace. You don't make it personal, mm-hmm. right? You uplift mm-hmm. them. You empower them. Yeah. Like, th- this is essential. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it gives you that permission to have those upward conversations. Yep. Because— you're above the org chart on Matt and maybe in somewhere that was unhealthy or somewhere that doesn't provide a culture of learning and leadership, Matt probably couldn't say that to you. Right. But, um, yeah. All right. Anything else you want to no, say? No, uh, just a reminder, uh, be a culture carrier. Mm-hmm. Like, be a culture carrier. If you work at Be Hope, that is the expectation for you, leadership team, staff, wherever you are. Be a culture carrier. Uh, become the culture, be what you want to see, protect the culture, and keep the mission and vision in front of everything you do in front of every team that you lead. That's awesome. All right. We're going to do Hope or Nopes. You ready? Hope <laughs> yes, or Nopes, hope or nopes. episode four. Um, make sure that if you have any Hope or Nopes that you want us to cover, that you write them in the comments, and we'll ask Pastor Brad, we'll ask Brad um, some of his Hope or Nopes. All right, the first one, you're drinking coffee today. What are your thoughts on milk alternatives? Almond milk, oat milk, cashew milk. <laughs> I don't know what the other milks are. Um. I'm grateful for them because okay. you know I have a phrase for milk. Yeah, you can't share that on here. Oh, okay. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay. <laughs> like, don't say that on here. I yeah. hope there's definitely hope for them. He doesn't like dairy. That is the end of it. It's not fair. Uh, I just, I mean, I mean, I eat dairy. I mm-hmm. eat a yogurt every night before I go to bed. Oh, okay. That's your night cap. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Put down that Oikos zero. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's hope for <laughs> All right. Hope for non-dairy. Hope for not non-dairy alternatives, milk alternatives. All right. Um on the topic of almonds, how do you feel about almond moms? Do you know what an almond mom is? I do. Do you um a- I kind of have an almond mom, so yeah, I'm an almond dad, I think. Oh, you for sure are an almond dad. Oh, you know, what's funny Did is I, agree with that too quickly? I count out my almonds. Mm, <laughs> that uh, makes sense. I get, I get 24 said, almonds a day. I get 12 in the morning and 12 in the afternoon. I count them. Oh, my word. You said nuts are actually really high in fat. You can't just eat them by the handfuls. Yeah, but almonds are good um, so There's hope for almond people. Almond moms. Um, yeah. Why, my, why is it just moms? Why is it just moms? Like Almond people. We'll say almond parents. Wait, I have if an you're almond. A, get this. If you're a health nut— <laughs> 
then, then mm. there's hope for you because you eat almonds. Mm. And you count them out. Yeah, my mom's an almond mom. She's very much like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to describe almond moms besides the fact that like you don't eat much and you say you're full and you always want to go on yeah, walks. Uh, my favorite line from your mom is when I say, how do you feel today? She's like, I feel fluffy. Yeah. That's my favorite line. I yeah. borrow it now. But How do you, you feel, feel today? I feel fluffy. Yeah. You know, as a teenage girl, that was probably the last thing you went to hear your mom say. Um, but it's all right. We love our almond parents. So All right. Before I become your counselor, let's move to the next one. <laughs> he is ruthless today, folks. All right. Um, hope or nope, online dating. We have a lot of, um, not a lot, but we have some single staff people. So online dating, are you hope or nope for that? I'm all for it. And, all right. You know, and if that doesn't work, apparently uh, AI will help you out too. So, like meeting someone, or like you can date an AI. Yeah, date a bot. <laughs> is that a thing, Matt? <laughs> yeah, apparently it is. I read it in an article the other day. So weird. Don't date a bot. That's no, not good date advice. A, date a person. Date a person, please. Date a um, body, not a bot. If you- <laughs> not a body. I'm sorry. <laughs> This is going way downhill. (laughs) Um, But yeah, if you don't meet weirdos online, then that's great. Make sure that they're not weirdos before you meet them. Um, I'm sure Brad can do an extensive background check. But There's hope for it. There's hope for it. There's hope for online dating. That is our episode, folks. We are so grateful that you listened today. Make sure you like and subscribe and share it with all of your friends. And we will see you back here for the next episode. 